not much of work to record, right? But that's, that's. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you for coming along uh, to this final of the Little Holy Habits stream. Has anyone been to all of three of the Holy Habits stream? Oh, thank goodness for that, because I'm the worst of the three speakers. Um, so uh, good news for you, but at least you won't be so disappointed because you haven't heard Pippa and Emma do this, uh, or maybe you've heard one or other. But you're really welcome, and uh, what we want to do in this session is just take a bit of time to think about what does my faith journey look like for the next well, we said in the program 360 days, you know, until madness next year. And so I'm going to say a little bit uh, about my experience of madness when I was a teenager, uh, which is incredibly recently. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit about uh, some, some, yeah, some biblical habits we can pick up from, from Acts 2 uh, and then have a think about some of the things that we can do to, to make sure some of those habits are put in place uh, to help us in that kind of spiritual journey for the year to come. But let's, uh, let's pray to begin with, if that's all right. I'm going to pray for us now. Uh, Father, we thank you for summer madness. We thank you for uh, the day that this is and, and for the mostly good weather. We thank you, Lord, for all of the seminars going on, and we pray for the other speakers as well now uh, who are, who are and, and those who are in seminars. But we pray for one another in this venue, Lord, that you would just be with us, uh, that you would speak to us uh, and give us the the things that we are meant to take away from from this next 45 minutes or so and lord we ask it in jesus precious name amen uh, so my name is Adrian Dorian uh, and I'm a, a Church of Ireland minister. I'm based in a team ministry in Downpatrick, which is about an hour and 10 minutes from here in good traffic, but you've got to cross Belfast, so sometimes it's an hour and a half. Um, but, uh, and, um, uh, and yeah, so uh, and I've been coming to Summer Madness on and off for 25 years. Uh, so the first time I came to Summer Madness was in 1998. So I want to just get a wee sense of kind of where you guys are coming at Madness from. Would you let me know if it's your first time here? Yeah, so quite a few of you, it's your first time. Brilliant, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and I hope that it's been as good a, a first uh, experience for you as mine was for me 25 years ago. Would you put your hand up or let me know if you think that, yeah, I would say this year I've been blessed by being at Summer Madness. It's been a good thing to be here. Excellent. Almost as many hands went up, and maybe even more. That's great. That's, that's a really good sign, and I think that's the experience of most people who come to Madness. I'm sure some people have difficult uh, things uh, that happen while they're here, but that's my impression. That's brilliant. Um, this one's maybe a wee bit more awkward. I'm just going to grab my water bottle here so that it's ready to go. This one's maybe a wee bit of a harder ask, so if no hands go up, I'm not going to take it as a huge disappointment. But if you feel comfortable, would you let me know if you would say this year madness has been an opportunity for you to have had a, a really quite significant moment in your faith journey? Yeah, a few, a few timid hands going up. Well, thank you for that. It's really good to know that. And, and by the way, if you're thinking, well, no, that's not me. That's totally fine as well, um, because different people experience things different ways, uh, and uh, and it's not a a pass or a fail kind of thing in that. So that's absolutely brilliant. Um, would you let me know if you're really excited? that tomorrow at the end of madness you get to go back into the real world whatever the real world is for you whether it's summer holidays or work or school let me know if you're really excited to be going back to whatever it is you left before you came to madness 
a few hands going up, but not that many. Um, and that's a good sign in some ways because it probably means you're having a good time here and you'd be happy for it to go on. Would you let me know if you're a little bit anxious or, or even worried about what, what the real world's going to be like after five good days of madness, that you've had a, a blast here and you're thinking, well, I've got to go back to whatever it is. Is there anyone who's a wee bit sort of, I'm not looking forward to that so much or I'm, I'm maybe even a little bit worried about it? Yeah? Again, a few hands. That's, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, those are experiences, all of those, the good and the maybe the more challenging, that loads of people at Madness will be sharing right now. You're not alone in that. And, and at no stage in any of those little questions did one hand go up. There was always at least a few people. So you're not alone in any of those things. And what I want to just take some time to do this afternoon is to navigate how we can think about what what equips us to to go back into i call it the real world like i said i'm a church of ireland minister i haven't existed in the real world for about 18 years but um uh but what are you going to do and and i hope it's okay to, to tell you a little bit about my story and my experience of of madness like i said i first came to madness 25 years ago uh, and it, back then it was in armagh uh, in a place called gosford so here at port glenone is i think the fifth different site that Summer Madness has occupied and I've been to Madness at four of them so I wasn't there at the very beginning when it was in Castle Archdale uh, but I was there for the first time in 1998 uh, before most of you were born uh, in uh, in Gosford and then it moved to the King's Hall in Belfast and then uh, some of you have maybe been uh, were maybe at some of these venues as well it was at Glenarm uh, and then last year we moved up here to Port Glenone and I think it's a brilliant site uh, I think it's been really good so my first time coming was when I was 16 and I came with three friends but also with a big group so I'm from Bangor please don't hold it against me and um and uh, some of the so what used to happen in Bangor was that the the what used to be called Crusaders Urban Saints group organized like a big group that went to Summer Madness they booked buses and got tents and all of that and it meant that if you were two or three people like me and my mates were you could go but you didn't have to have uh, a big youth group looking after you because there was this sort of big umbrella youth group so I was part of a big group but also part of a small group if that, if that makes sense of Summer Madness uh, and uh, and that year uh, there were uh, a couple of guys speaking uh, who were just so alive when it comes to faith um uh, they're they're both old men now uh, one's a, a bishop called alf cooper who's who's english but lives and works in south america and one's an american speaker called tony campolo and uh, they were the two main stage speakers there were only two so one did the mornings one did the evenings and that's kind of how it worked and both of them just inspired me i was already a christian i already you know believed in jesus and and knew jesus as my savior but but they inspired me to really start to take faith seriously and i had a few moments along my faith journey where people have done that uh, and summer madness 98 was one of those and my life since then so much of it i can trace back to my first time at summer madness i don't think i'd be um the sort of minister i am now if i hadn't gone to madness uh, i might maybe have been uh, ended up ordained i don't know uh, as a church of ireland minister but i certainly wouldn't have been one who spent a lot of his ministry involved in youth and and, and, and children's work and that kind of thing i definitely wouldn't be uh, i would say in the job i'm in now in the particular parish i'm in now if it hadn't been for stuff 
stuff that was started uh, at that very first Summer Madness. And since then, it's I can't say I've been here every year since then, but I've been loads, uh, sometimes just for a day, sometimes for whole weekends. I've come as a punter, I've come as a youth leader with my youth group, I've done some seminar stuff like this before, I led some kind of alternative quiet worship one year uh, at Summer Madness, um, and, and so, in fact, I even, not long after I got married, like maybe the second year after I got married, brought my wife to Summer Madness over her birthday. Um, which I did have to go out and get a cake, especially made cake and stuff for that. Uh, she refused to come when she turned 30. She said, I'm not spending my 30th birthday at Summer Madness. But other than that, you know, so, um, yeah, so it's been a big part of my life uh, for the next 20, uh, 25 years. And there are two reasons I keep coming back. Uh, and hopefully, if you're wondering where I'm going with this, hopefully th this is maybe where it becomes a bit relevant. Two reasons. One, selfish, right? So even though this is a youth festival and it's a long time since I could have been qualified as a youth, um, I still get blessed by the content. I love going to worship uh, and I love uh, dipping into seminars myself and, and also just chatting to people about faith, people I know, people I don't know, all of those things. So I love the festival and what I get out of it. Uh, but the other thing that keeps me coming back is the fact that I know that there's something God does at, at places like camps and summer madness uh, that I'm not saying he can't do elsewhere, but that it seems particularly easy for people to engage with God at places like this. And I've seen lives changed, completely transformed at Summer Madness. And I've had my own changed in the direction of it, uh, transformed by Summer Madness. Uh, and, well, no, not by Summer Madness, by God, by Jesus. But it's been at Summer Madness that that has happened. Uh, and like I said, I don't think I'd be where I am today or working where I work today if I hadn't started coming to Summer Madness 25 years ago. And, you know, I couldn't find them in time for today. I did have a wee look, but in my uh, attic somewhere, there's a box with some little notebooks that I had at, at Summer Madness in, in 98 and, and 99, and uh, those were my first two years, and then I had a bit of a gap. And if I'd found them and read to you from them, it would have been so full of passion. I remember coming back from main stage worship uh, to my tent and sitting and writing, and I'm always going to be on fire for God and I'm never going to give up on this and 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 just being so excited and so enthused by what the Holy Spirit had done and determined that I was never going to lose that the good news is that I don't think I ever have the bad news is that although I've never lost I hope that fire there have been times when it's been challenged and it's hard to keep that sense of the high that you get from an event like Summer Madness for the whole year long. And in fact, if we could keep that high for the whole year long, then it wouldn't be a high. It wouldn't be uh, a thing that you come to madness to get excited and fired up in your faith for. It's like if, you know, if you had cr Christmas every day, you'd very soon grow sick of Christmas, even if you're someone who loves Christmas at the moment. So the good news is, the stuff that God started in my life at Summer Madness in 1998 is still bearing fruit and God's been faithful, even when I haven't always been as faithful as I could have been to him. The bad news is 
sometimes that's a bit of a slog. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, that's what I think uh, we're going to talk about and hope we're going to talk about today. Because it can't always be like this. It can't always be a thousand people in a sweaty tent uh, with their hands in the air worshipping, which is an amazing corporate experience uh, and even if you go to a, an amazing church with brilliant modern worship and all of that chances are it's not like that every week uh, and some of you might be involved in churches that are are much less like that uh, and and so summer madness is something a, a little bit different so we're going to take a bit of time to look at Acts chapter 2 uh, not the whole chapter, just a little bit in the chapter that gives us a snapshot into the early church. So to put it in context, Acts, the very first part of Acts tells us what happens at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. So it starts with Jesus returning to heaven, which happened 40 days after Easter Day when Jesus rose from the dead. And then chapter 2 tells the story of Pentecost. It tells the story of the Holy Spirit coming on the church uh, and of, uh, or that might chapters one and two they tell these this story of the holy spirit coming on the church uh, and 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 christianity if you like being born peter gives his first sermon and it says three thousand people were added to their number that day uh, and at the very end of acts two it gives a little snapshot of what the the first believers the first followers of christ did uh, and how they lived it says they devoted themselves to the... Oh, so Acts 2.42, by the way, if you've got a Bible uh, to hand. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What I'd love you to do, just for literally maybe a minute, minute and a half, uh, with just the folks sitting around you, is see if you can pick out wh what I might call characteristics of the early church. What did they do in the early church? If I, if I said to you, this is your comprehension test, this is what the, the Bible says the early church did, well, this is what the Bible says the early church did, um, what would you say was at the heart of the early church based in this passage. Take about 90 seconds with two or three people around you uh, and then we'll, we'll hear a few folks just shout back uh, and, and see what they think. Okay, uh, let's, and, and this is, by the way, this is not like a quiz or a test, it's just a conversation, so don't worry uh, if you have come up with some stuff in your groups, uh, there will almost certainly be no stupid answers, you know, I suppose it's possible, uh, but uh, yeah, does anyway, I'm not going to, you know, this group and this group or anything like that, but you want to just shout out a few things uh, and do shout them out so we can hear over the kind of background noise, uh, characteristics of the early church that you can spot in that passage. Shared communion? Yeah, there was something. 
Togetherness, yeah, okay. Shared communion, togetherness, anything else? Worship, yeah. Consistency, where, where do you see that there? I think you're right. Every day, brilliant, yeah, thank you. Any others? Devotion, yeah, absolutely. You should watch out for a slide that's coming up in a minute or two. Um, fantastic, any others? Generosity, yeah. No, that's fine. That's a good list. That's brilliant. Uh, and you're 100 all of those are 100% right. One of the things that amazes me is that's what, six verses, 42 to 47. Uh, it's six verses, and there's so much in there. It's a really dense group of verses. And uh, where we got the name for this little stream, Holy Habits, was actually from a, a, a book or a, mo a movement uh, about discipleship called Holy Habits. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, and uh, it started out, I think, as a book that a, a Methodist minister wrote as a kind of a study guide uh, and for, for congregations to work through. Uh, and it's become something a bit more than that. And there's, although uh, it's more focused on like churches rather than individuals, there's a website that's worth looking at called Holy Habits. Um, holyhabits.org.uk. Uh, it's worth having a look at because it talks through some of those characteristics of the early church uh, that you find in, in Acts 2, 42 on. And, and they name 10 of them. And what I want to do for the next few minutes is like whiz through the 10 of them because every single one of them could be a seminar. You know, uh, and indeed two of them were. So um, uh, when it talks about in the passage the kind of the signs and wonders, that's actually maybe not an obvious one from the Ten Holy Habits, but that's what uh, Pippa was talking about in the stream on Saturday. Uh, and then yesterday, Emma uh, Thompson from 24-7 Prayer was obviously talking about prayer. Uh, and, uh, and the ten of them are, and I'll go through them, so if you, I know this isn't maybe the clearest from the back, but I'll be talking through them quickly. Uh, the 10 of them are there uh, on the screen, uh, and as I say, the, the website gives a, a bit of a detail on each of them, uh, a bit of a reflection on each of them, uh, and, uh, and these are some things. So what I want you to be thinking about is, how do I put these things in my life if they're not already? Because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about sustaining our faith journey after the high of something like summer madness. How does that sustain? And these are some things that I think are good habits to build up. We'll talk at the very end about what we actually need to do to make those habits form. Uh, but, but now, first of all, we're going to think about what actually are the habits. Uh, and I'm just going to work through them, uh, I think, in the order that they are there along the top and along the bottom. Uh, I don't necessarily think that they're ranked. Having said that, I do think the most important ones first. If, that makes, if that's not sort of uh, contradictory. Uh, and that's Bible teaching. Um, you know, there's a reason that this whole seminar actually is based around a section of Acts 2, and it's because it's in the Word, it's in the Scriptures that we find the things that we need for our faith journey. What do we find in the Scriptures? We find the story of salvation. We find the story of creation and the fall. We find the story of literally People like you and me wandering around in the wilderness. But in the middle of all that wilderness, God is still faithful and God will still provide. And we find that when our sin uh, is, is unassailably bad, God in the person of Jesus does the thing that needs to be done to, to, to allow us to, to know him fully. 
by dying on the cross, by showing that amazing grace for us uh, that, uh, that we can know salvation. That's revealed in the scriptures, but not just that. It's in the scriptures that we find out about the promise of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit and, and what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. It's in the scriptures that Paul talks at length about what it means, what it looks like to be a disciple. Paul, who has a thorn in the flesh, he says, Paul, who never found it easy, but never shied away from it. And not just Paul, but the other New Testament sort of letter writers as well. We find stories of imperfect people whom God uses to do amazing things, life-changing things. We find stories of people far less capable and talented than you and me, and I don't think we're any better than anyone else. But God uses them. We find the story of God coming down from wherever he was that was distant from us because of our sin and bridging that gap. And so, of course, that's where we start because actually everything else that follows in this list comes from the Scriptures. Uh, and so you want to be thinking, well, how do I make sure the scriptures are built into my life? And there's different ways to do that. Bible study groups, going to church and hearing sermons, uh, Bible study apps and, or, or Bible study little notes. Uh, and sometimes as well, it's good to just read the word and see what God says. See, see what God's prompting you to take away from it. Um, that's a process sometimes called Lexio Divina, where you might read a passage three or four times and see what jumps out. There's lots of different ways to do that. Again, we couldn't explore them all in an hour seminar, never mind in the couple of minutes that I've got on this one, but that's where it starts. Um, and, uh, and the brilliant thing now is, you know, we used to maybe talk at Summer Madness about, you know, get a Bible while you're here if you don't have one. But now everyone can have a Bible on their phone uh, and there are loads of free editions as well. You don't have to pay a thing for the app. So, so yeah, biblical teaching. Fellowship, togetherness. And, you know, fellowship is something that's more than just having a chat after the service or having a bit of crack on the way out of main stage. It's about actually investing uh, in the lives of the people that are part of your family of faith. Uh, and some of these, by the way, will overlap a bit, but that's okay. But it's about actually investing. It's about thinking about your faith family and what that faith family looks like. And if you don't have one, about finding one. Uh, and usually I would say, and I still do think it's right, that, that the best place to do that is, is in a good, healthy church. But there are other places. When I was um, a teenager and doing the Summer Madness stuff, I went to a really, really lovely traditional church filled with godly people who prayed for me all the time and who rejoiced when I was ordained and who still stay in touch. So it wasn't like, oh, I went to a traditional church and, and, and it was really rubbish. Uh, it wasn't. It was amazing. But I was often the youngest person there. And so that was a challenge as well. But I was very lucky that I went to school with a strong scripture union and lots of Christian teachers. Uh, in fact, uh, one of my old Christian teachers is still on the staff here at Summer Madness. Uh, and uh, and, and so, so maybe it's, it's actually not just church. I, I wouldn't say not church, but maybe it's not just church. Maybe fellowship looks like uh, your Christian friends in your church youth group. Maybe it's your Christian friends in school. Maybe it's Christian friends you know online, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, but, but fellowship is about engaging uh, particularly with other Christians. Now, we've got to be careful with that because 
we're not called to only spend time around Christians, uh, and we'll come back to that. But but fellowship, it's about actually investing in a family of faith who in turn will invest in you. Breaking bread, and that was, that was the first answer we got uh, in terms of sharing communion together. Now, different churches do that differently. Different churches think differently about that. And different churches bring people into communicant membership at different times. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, I can't do that yet in my church. That's okay. Uh, what I would be saying to you is uh, you might want to be asking the question of, well, well, when? When can I? When do I? What do I need to do? And, and maybe it's asking, well, can I do that now because I think I'm ready? Uh, and your, your minister or your youth leader will obviously input into that and, uh, and give you advice and steer you. You know, in, in my tradition in the Church of Ireland, usually what happens is when you're around sort of 13, 14, you get confirmed and then you start becoming a regular communicant member. Uh, uh, in other traditions, it's different. With Catholics, it's a lot younger. With some independent churches, it might even be a little bit older. Uh, and, and that's absolutely fine. But breaking bread together as part of that fellowship is really important. Because I, I said at the start that I think sometimes God does things at camps and places like madness that, that are just an open door to him for his spirit to work. I think that's the same when we break bread together. I don't think that it's magic or hocus pocus or anything like that, but I do think that when we share together in bread and wine and, and, and whatever a particular denomination's taken that is, that's a moment when God sometimes finds a way to meet with us uh, that doesn't happen when you're walking down the aisles of Asda. You know what I mean? It could, because God is God and God is everywhere. But in my experience, it doesn't, but it often does when you come to his table. So breaking bread together, absolutely really important part of it, which is different from eating together. I know I'm changing the order here because it actually is a different order on, on my list. I've just realized, but eating together down there. Um, uh, and that's, listen, that's where I earn my money back from the church, eating together, you know. Um, uh, no, uh, it's, it's hugely underrated. And the little team that I'm part of, we've just had two amazing worship events over June that when I arrived eight years ago, we never would have seen happening. Just brilliant uh, events where people just came together and, and, and it was just about worship and it really felt like God was doing stuff. And both of those began with food. Both of those began with a barbecue because the weather was so good. We just said, well, we'll put a barbecue out and do that as well. Uh, and I'm not saying that the food, again, meant that, you know, that the Holy Spirit didn't come for the barbecue. But there's something about just that fellowship, which is extended over eating together, over table fellowship, that opened doors. And what is it that Jesus does so often in the Gospels when he wants to get closer to people? He eats with them. He eats at the house of Matthew, the tax collector, and uses it as a teaching moment. When he sees Zacchaeus up the tree, he says to him, I'm coming to your house to eat. And in one of the, well, in several of the first resurrection appearances, uh, Jesus eats with the disciples. He sits down for a meal with the disciples in Emmaus. And, uh, and as part of that meal, he breaks bread. So it actually is bringing two of them together. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, there's the story of him meeting the apostles on the beach uh, and the barbecued fish. Food and fellowship go hand in hand. And so that's not just ab about having the crack. It's not just about being together for the sake of it. It's actually, again, about this is a place, this is a situation in which we see God at work time and time again. Where? In the Bible. Uh, and so it's absolutely worth uh, our investing in.
gladness and generosity. Uh, generosity, we sometimes in the church say, we think that's all about giving money, and, and, and actually that is really important. And I know you guys had an opportunity at worship yesterday to give towards the Razor Rescue campaign. I remember inviting a minister once to come and talk about, about giving, about money at my congregation, uh, one of my congregations. And he, he stood up and he said, it's lovely to be with you. I'll probably never see you again because no one ever likes the person that talks about money from the pulpit. Uh, so, But it's not just about money. It is about that. It's about thinking, well, what are, you know, what have I got uh, that I've got to be thankful for? And you might think, well, I don't have a lot of money in my pocket as a young person, and that might be true, but we all know how well off we are compared to some, and that's why groups like IGM and IJM invest so much at things like madness. But it's not just about that. It's about being generous in our attitudes towards people. It's about trying not to hold grudges. It's about trying not to judge people. I, uh, I had an experience recently, um, going back years, there's a, a, an experience I had with, with an individual that was really very difficult for me. We just, uh, we, we crossed paths uh, in the church and, and never saw eye to eye, and, and actually it was quite painful and quite difficult sometimes, and I was as much to blame as the other person. It's not that they did me dirty and I was perfect or anything like that, but we just we just argued a lot and, and kind of fell out a lot and, and it was a struggle and, and it's a person who, uh, if I've been able to, I've, I've tried to avoid ever since, if I'm really honest. They're not a parishioner, thank goodness, so it's, uh, you know, but, um, but at, a, at a service I was speaking at recently, a healing service, I saw that that person was sitting in the congregation and, and when it came time to invite people for prayer, she came to me and asked for prayer ministry. She had a, 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 a bad foot and wanted, wanted healing prayer. And as she came walking towards me, I was like, God, you've got to be kidding me. There's, there's literally only about four people on the planet I'd rather pray for less than this person. And those four people are like dictators, you know. Um, and, I, and, and so, but, you know, that's my job, that's what I'm called to do, and I did it, and I prayed, and then the person phoned me about four days later, uh, and, uh, and said, my foot's feeling so much better, uh, you know, that prayer has really helped, thank you so much, and my first reaction then was, God, you're kidding, but actually, uh, you know, since then, it's about being really thankful to God, now, I'm not telling you that story to tell you how good I am, I'm telling you that story to say, I wasn't nearly generous enough when I saw that person coming forward for prayer, uh, but God wants us to be generous. And I suppose I could have said, no, I'm, you know, we go to the other minister for prayer or something. So I suppose there was maybe a little bit of generosity in there. But my attitude certainly wasn't generous. Uh, and, and actually, sometimes it is about the caring, the kindness towards the person that we don't really want to show it to. Service, which is the bottom left one there, serving. Uh, and that's, as I say, some of these overlap. And generosity and service can definitely overlap uh, because one of the things that service is about is generosity of time. And what does that look like? Well, it can look like different things. And again, your mind might immediately go to serving in church. You know, could I be a Sunday school teacher? Could I be a youth leader or on the AV team or the catering team or whatever, um, the hospitality team? And brilliant if you can do any of those things. S speaking as a minister, uh, the, the thing we love is people volunteering to do stuff like that because it's really hard to keep asking people. But 
It might not be in your local church. There are other ways you can serve. You can serve uh, by uh, finding an opportunity, maybe through school or through work. You can serve just by knowing that there's someone in your community, in your neighborhood, that is a particular need that you can help them with. Maybe you've just passed your test and you know that there's someone uh, that, that does a thing every week but has to get a taxi and you could give them a lift the odd time. Little things like that. Uh, and the thing about serving, the thing about service is it, it, it positions us outside ourselves because a lot of these are about how do I grow in my faith? Well, they all are, of course. They all help us grow in faith. But, you know, it's how do I study the Bible better or, or, or I'm going to receive communion now. I'm going to break bread uh, with, with my neighbors, with my fellow uh, Christians. But it's about us doing something. Whereas serving, yes, it's about us doing something. But actually the focal point is, is the, the thing or the person we're serving. Maybe it's... Uh, signing up for a, a, a team, a mission team. Uh, maybe it's uh, signing up for some service project in school. I, I'm not, you know, you, you know the sort of things, but the, the real value of that is that it goes outside ourselves. And again, remember, in all of these, we're thinking, what, is that, what might that look like in my life? And by the way, between now and Summer Madness next year, you're not going to go away and ace all 10 of these. You know, you're not going to come back to, I've read the whole Bible and I've had communion once a week and, uh, and I've been in three mission teams and that's not going to happen. So, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that again, about not, not sort of overloading or beating ourselves up. Worship. And again, worship, prayer, breaking bread, they're all connected. But for me, worship is not just about going to a thing whether it's main stage or whether it's church or SU or whatever when we're at home. For me, worship is about us giving ourselves over to God. Um, I, think you guys, I think we sang it last night, didn't we, when the music fades at worship? Uh, and it's, it's, it's all about you. Jesus is, is kind of at the heart of that song. And that's what worship's about. And that's not just about singing praise or, or even praying together in church and, 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 and hearing sermons. That's about every aspect of our lives. Uh, it's about worshiping God when we're doing our assignments. Uh, it's about worshiping God when we're uh, doing the kind of the chores around the house. It's about worshiping God when we're enjoying being with our friends. About saying, I'm still giving my life over to you. Um, one of the things I did when I was at theological college uh, was um, uh, help organize the, the college chapel. Uh, it was called being a sacristan. And anyone who knows me will know that's not a surprise. But one of the jobs we had to do once a term was bake the bread for communion. We'd bake them into little small buns, I suppose you'd call it, and then we'd freeze a batch for the year. And uh, the, the, the kind of the recipe was passed on each year from sacristan to sacristan. And if you've ever baked bread, and I've really only done it then, uh, but if you've ever baked bread, you'll know that there's a bit in the process where you have to knead the bread, you have to knead the dough. And, and, and that's just slow and boring. And the recipe had psalms printed in it so that you could be reading the psalms while you were kneading the bread. And it's, it sounds a bit like antiquated, a bit like something the monks might be doing up the hill. But there was something that I just loved about that. Just that idea that here I am doing this thing that is mind-numbingly boring, but I can still be worshipping God. That's not the thing that's mind-numbingly boring, by the way, just for the avoidance of doubt. So, yeah. How do we build a worshipful attitude into our whole lives? 
sharing resources. And again, that's a little bit different from generosity, but it's connected. And one of the things we see in the, uh, in the New Testament church is that they held a lot of stuff in common. And more than that, that actually, uh, when later on in Acts, when a couple called Ananias and Sapphira say that they're giving over all of their goods to the church, but withhold some of them, God strikes them dead. Now, not because they didn't give it all over, but because they lied about it. Uh, and, and that actually, uh, the, the idea that we give away part of, of what we are into the fellowship, if you like, is, is really important. And that can look like different things in different churches. For me, for example, one really obvious outworking of sharing resources that we see in lots of churches is around either food banks or freezer ministries. There's something that actually doesn't cost me anything to pick up an extra bit of pasta uh, when I'm doing my shopping and throw it in the food bank basket. Or you say there's some churches that actually have freezer ministries so that if a family uh, you know, is, is facing a crisis, there's a ready meal ready to bring round to them. And it doesn't cost much to make if you're doing some batch cooking a bit extra for that. And, uh, and, and for you uh, in school, it might, you know, or, or, or work or college or whatever, it might be about little simple things like, sharing things like your charger cables that's big deal at summer madness isn't it if you've come without your charger cable that might not seem like much and it's it's not much but the whole point is it's not about saying no that's mine you can't have it um you know and and we see that that there's something innate in us that wants to do that you know a, a little child a little toddler will say no mine um f- you know even though they also know it's good to share so sometimes we've got to work Uh, on that willingness to share. Prayer, uh, it's just the engine room, isn't it? You know, if, if, if the word, if the Bible is, is kind of the thing that directs all that we do, prayer is the thing that feeds that because that's, those are the moments when we're consciously spending time with God. We can all, we are always with God and God is always with us. But we need to be intentional, and that's a word that's going to come up again. We need to be intentional about what that looks like uh, when, when we want to spend time with God. And the best example I can give is, you know, um, so I, I live, there's just me and my wife at home. Uh, and, you know, we live together 24-7, 365, apart from when I come to things like Summer Madness and she gets a break from me. Uh, you know, but there are times when we could both be sitting in the living room and I could be watching something on the TV or, or playing the PlayStation and she's reading the paper or we're both on our phones. Uh, we're, we're definitely spending time with each other, but we're not with each other in the moment. Uh, and uh, that's okay too. You need times like that as well. Uh, but if all our time together was like that, it would be a rubbish relationship, you know. And if you ask my wife, she will tell you it's an amazing relationship. Um, you know, no, it really is, but I definitely do better out of it because she's awesome. But, you know, but, but it's actually about investing uh, time in relationships. And prayer is, is one of the ways we invest time in our relationship with God. Uh, and, and again, prayer can look like lots of different things. It can look like a structured, uh, you know, quiet time uh, with a bit of Bible reading and some prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Prayer can be silence. It can be listening to music. It's an opportunity to interact with God. And then the other thing that the church does is making new disciples. And what's interesting is, do you know, the early church at that point in Acts didn't have an evangelism strategy. They just went about being the best disciples they could. And it says that daily 
there were people being added to the number. Later on, they get an evangelism strategy, and it's called um, Paul. You know, and he goes out in these missionary journeys, and that's amazing as well. But actually, even at the very beginning, before they get to that point, just being the best disciples they can, uh, bring numbers in. Now, that was me. I said I was going to zoom through uh, those sort of 10 uh, biblical things, and you might be thinking, oh my word, I came for a bit of a confidence boost before the end of Summer Madness, and he's just overloaded me with far too much. Don't worry, because like I said, I don't think you need to do all of these things. If you, like, don't get me wrong, if you can, great, but you won't be able to. That's okay. What I want us to think about, though, for the next little while is um, just the last few minutes. What can we do to make whatever it is on that list that's going to be part of my life for the next year a little bit easier, a little bit uh, more manageable? And it starts with, I'm going to zoom over a word that's in that passage and that came up, devoted. It's about commitment. It's also about consistency, uh, about that idea that it's, it's, it's something we want to put in place regularly. Um, and, uh, and there are three things I think we can do, and it's those three words around the outside. The first is we can be intentional. Say from now, before you leave the festival, I'm going to put some strategies in place. And you will know best what works for you. It might be I'm going to look for people to share this experience with. Maybe it's the people you're sat beside right now. Maybe they're the people you do life with. Maybe they're the people from your church youth group or your school. Or maybe it's a mixture of both. Even your family. But, but look for people to share this with so you're not doing it on your own. When I went to Gosford in 98 with two other guys, the thing that I knew was that when I came home, who were the people I was going to be socializing with and meeting up with over that summer holiday? Among others, those two guys. Who were the people that I was going to see at school at Scripture Union? None of, none of us went to the same church, uh, but we were there as a little fellowship group for each other. Uh, be intentional about your church or your youth group. And if, if you're not actually keyed into one on a regular basis, think about what that might look like. How, how do you do that? And, you know, there are practical considerations. If you don't drive, maybe it needs to be somewhere you can get to yourself so you're not always depending on others and, and, or on your, your folks or someone. You know, it's, uh, not everyone has that option, though, and, and maybe it is somewhere further afield. And then you're figuring out, well, well, well what does that look like? I think, and I mentioned those other two guys I went to Summer Madness with, I think finding a small group to be part of is really important if you can. Uh, and again, some churches, some, uh, some youth groups will organize cell groups and that sort of thing, or, or even if it's just a little kind of midweek Bible study thing as well as whatever happens at the main meeting at weekends or whatever. Uh, brilliant. But, but if not, maybe it is about saying to a couple of friends. And, and I think that's easier to do now um, than maybe it was 25 years ago, because although the best way to do that is definitely to meet up and spend time together, um, you, you know, with, with uh, WhatsApp groups and, uh, and, and, and online, you know, FaceTiming and all of that kind of stuff, you can do those things and not be physically together. 
in a way that you couldn't a while ago. And, and so lean into that. Lean into that. Maybe, maybe it is, actually, do you know what? I've got two friends and we're going to meet, uh, we're gonna meet on, on Zoom or, or whatever once a week or even once a month or once a fortnight to, to take some time just to pray for each other or maybe to read the Bible. But it's about being intentional. And the thing about being devoted is it's about you taking responsibility. This is in your hands. God will not fail to show up if you create the space to meet him over this next year or so, you know? Looking for rhythms. So I remember a lot of talk when I was younger about, you know, you've got to build this in as a discipline. Whereas now we're talking a bit more, I'm going to finish quickly, don't worry. Whereas now we're talking a bit more about habits. But if you talk to the monks up there who pray at the same time every day and probably start at about six in the morning, they won't talk to you about the discipline of prayer. They'll talk to you about the rhythm of prayer in their day. It's about building in rhythms. And you know what shape your day takes. You know what your day looks like. You know what your week looks like. So figure out what shape it needs to be to allow you to build in a pattern of whether it's time in the scriptures or eating together with other Christians or, or praying together with other Christians or spending time in service, whatever it is. It can be easy to become a slave to routine, but it's very easy to ease into rhythms that kind of embrace us. And the final thing is get equipped. And again, there's so much out there. Say today, I'm going to find before the end of this week a Bible app that helps me not just read the Bible, but understand it. Maybe with additional notes, maybe with a notification that comes up at whatever time your rhythm allows for that says, this is when I'm going to read uh, my Bible. Uh, or maybe you equip yourself with the small group that holds each other to account. That when one person isn't in the mood to open it and pray, uh, you know, open a meeting in prayer or whatever, that, the, that another person said, yeah, but we've said we're going to do this, guys, come on. And there are lots of other resources out there. There's, uh, there's apps, there's books, actual physical books, you know. Uh, you can get some of those. There are Bibles with lots of different notes and, and helpful things in them. And I don't do it nearly as much as I did. But one of the things that I still remember doing and was able to sort of almost half quote from from memory back when I started coming to Summer Madness was writing about the experience I had journaling. And you might, you might not be your thing. And again, it's not maybe something you need to do every day, but here's a way to start journaling if you don't think it's your thing. Write down the stuff you pray for each day, right? And in a month's time, read over that stuff. You'd be amazed how many of your prayers have been answered that you haven't even noticed. Folks, what I want to get across today, and I hope I have, is that we can't be at Summer Madness 365 days a year. And if we tried, we'd lose our sanity because it's just that sort of an event. But God is with us 365 days a year. There is nothing we can do that will stop his spirit being in the world, that will stop Jesus having risen from the dead. There is nothing that will keep all those truths from being true when we go from here. But how we meet with God in those moments might look a bit different when we're not surrounded by a thousand other people singing God's praises. That's okay. Don't be afraid of that. And don't think because you're not on that high 
that you're not living out your Christian life because there are ways that you can do that. Start by saying, before I leave this festival, I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to be devoted to the way of God. Start in Acts 2. Uh, having a look uh, again at those passages. Even say, do you know what? I'm going to read that every day for the summer holidays. It's small enough that you could write it in the inside of your Bible cover so you don't even have to look it up or you could write it in your journal. Uh, and, And if you're reading it regularly, different things are going to jump out. And that's how you'll figure out then that perhaps... It's fellowship is the thing you need to focus on. Perhaps it's Bible reading. Perhaps it's it's worship. And whatever of those things you find time to do, here's what I promise you. God will be waiting for you there. And if he's not, I'll get you a free ticket to Summer Madness next year. But he will be. So I'm not going to be out of pocket. Trust yourselves, not because you're great, but because God is great. You might be great, I don't know you. But because God is great and he will be faithful to you if you put the energy into this stuff. So listen, let me pray for you and then go off to some other brilliant seminars that are happening around. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry it was a lot of me, um, uh, but time is tight. uh, And uh, if we'd had an hour and a half, we'd probably have had more chat uh, among ourselves as a group. But thank you so much. And, And I think, do you know what? If you're here thinking about this already, that's half the battle. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the people in this room. Thank you so much that you have worked in their lives at this festival this year. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, that you would sanctify that good work, that you would pour your Holy Spirit out on each person here, that as they go from here, they would find ways to be intentional. Uh, they would find ways to build rhythms of devotion and that they would find ways uh, to equip themselves or to get equipped in serving you, in following you, in being a disciple. Help us all, Lord, to be the best disciples we can and help us to find in your word and in the person of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit the promise that you are faithful even when we struggle to be. Amen. Amen. Can we also say a huge thanks to the folks who open these venues and do the tech and all of that sort of stuff? Would you give them a big round of applause before you go on to your next seminar?